Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. We get straight into the word this morning and we're in the series called Warrior. And we've been talking about, the first week we talked about the wounded warrior. And last week, how I'm drawing a blank of what we talked about. Does anybody remember what we talked about last week? What? I can't hear that. Warriors advancing. Yes, moving forward. How did I forget my own sermon? I need to listen to the podcast. This week, what I'm going to talk about, the message that I, the, t- the title of this message is Lessons from the Battlefield. And I want to talk about some things that you learn in church. How many ever heard of church hurt? Right? I know that I've had it and I've experienced it and I know something about it, but I'm going to talk about a lot of things we learn in the battle as we're, as we're moving forward in the things of God. It's never going to be easy and there's always going to be opposition. And so I want to talk about those things today. So again, the title is Lessons from the Battlefield. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, I pray that I would not get in the way of myself, but Lord, help me to move out of the way so your Holy Spirit can speak through me. I don't want my own opinions, God. I don't want my own thoughts. Lord, let it not be my word, but Lord, let it be only led and inspired by your Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if, if in case you haven't noticed, God is, is doing something tremendous within this, this church. For those of you that have been coming the last few weeks, we literally just hit a spike in growth. And, and it, it's really, it's not even about the growth necessarily with the numbers, but God has been doing something so deep in worship and so deep in, in, in just the way he's been moving in the spirit. And it's, it's, it's pretty amazing to be a part of. And so um, what I'm realizing is that we are going somewhere. God is taking us, I like to say we're going up, right? We're going up. We're going somewhere as a church, all of us together. But what I, what I want to make sure that we understand is, is we can't go alone. I don't want our church, listen, we are not an exclusive church. We're not an us, no, no, us and no more or us for, for no more. I think that's the way it rhymes. But you get what I'm saying. We're not like, hey, this is us. You, you, you can't be a part of what God is doing here because he's done it to us first. We talked about it, right? When the church grows, what happens? It's hard to talk to everybody. But that doesn't mean we don't want growth. Amen. We want, we want to go where God is taking us. But I don't want to go by myself. I don't want us to go alone. I want us to go with people. In Luke chapter 14, verse 15 through 24, Jesus shares this parable. It's a response to this man. This man is sitting at the table with Jesus. And he exclaims, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come to the, come to the banquet, it's ready. He, uh, excuse me, but they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they, had all, what they had all said. And his master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. Say it. There is still room for more. So his master said, go into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. 
For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. The reality is this, is heaven wants to be filled. Heaven wants to be full. Now, if heaven wants to be full, what, is, what should that say about the church? Now, you can say, well, you just want numbers and you, whatever. I honestly don't care what people say. Because I know that I want people to come experience what God is doing. So I will not be ashamed of the way that we promote our church. I will not be ashamed of the way that we invite to our church. Because I'm so tired of Christians being so stuck in one way and never experiencing the fullness of the presence of God. And so, yeah, I'll promote what we're doing. I'll invite where where we're going because I don't want to go alone. And if heaven wants to be full, then our church should be full. It's God's desire. It is in his heart that many would come to know Jesus as Savior. It was not in his heart that only a few would come. The problem is that people don't want to come. They don't want to surrender their lives to Jesus. So this is a sad thing is, is we begin to fill up churches by avoiding the gospel of die to yourself, die to your sins. And we try to fill the churches, but the problem is sometimes we fill a church, but we're not filling heaven. My prayer is here that we would be a church that is filled with people that are going to heaven. Can you agree with me on that one? Because when it comes down to it, our heart's desire as a church is to please the heart of God. I'm being very open and honest with you as I often am. I did one struggle, you know, I'm, I'm still young, I'm 29, still very young, amen? But my knees hurt. Hey, we got stairs. Thank you, Brother Stacy. <laughs> We got steps on this church stage. Praise God. But I I, I remember a time when when I really wanted, I just wanted to be known. And I wasn't concerned about whether people knew Jesus or not. I was concerned about myself being known. But when I encountered him, when I finally saw him and, and... and the fullness of who he is and who, what he was doing. And he began to break things in me. I began to change my perspective. And I couldn't care less who knows me. I want them to know Jesus. I couldn't care less who knows about Reclaim Church. I want them to know Jesus. I couldn't care less who talks about us in a good way or a bad way. I want them to know Jesus. See, we're, I was talking to Jeremy and we we're kind of, I was kind of making fun of myself because somebody said, man, your messages are so down to earth. And Jeremy said, yeah, that's because you're just not that smart. And, that, that, and you know what? It's the truth. I'm like, I'm down to earth because I'm not that smart. This is all I got. But I'm not trying to impress people. I don't, I don't want people to say, oh, he's wise. I want them to say, man, he's been with Jesus. He, he, there's something special going on in those people at that church. They actually love people. They actually let me, let me through on the freeway. They actually, they, some of them actually paid for my groceries one time. You, you hear, there's something going on with those people. We may not know their name, but we know who they're following. We know who they're believing in because it's changing their life. This is the heart of God that people would know Jesus, and he sent us as a light of the world. So if heaven wants to be full, then I want my church to be full so that people can go to heaven. 
But this is the truth. Hell also wants to be filled. The devil is doing his very best to deceive many and trick them into an eternity without the Father. And the, the sad thing is in this parable, these people missed not what they were sneaking into, not that what they were trying to, trying to find their way. They were missing what they've been invited into. So you and I have been invited into the presence of God. Like, think about that. I was listening to a message the other day, and, and salvation has become so cliche that we forget the miracle that it is. That a perfect, righteous, holy God would want to know me, would want to know you. Why? Hell wants to get people away from that. The devil wants to come in and, and split the churches and bring division amongst the people. Because we're supposed to be the example. Amen. That's why it's important. The, the scripture talks about the armor of God and says this Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. I want to be standing firm. I want to make it to the end. I want to go where God is calling me, and I don't want to go alone. We are not, that, we are not some special people that, that we're in, so exclusive, and you have to be a certain way to be a part of this little club we call Reclaim Church, and that's not what we are. We are a people that are fully surrendered to the will of God and saying, Lord, whatever you want from me, I'm going to do that. And when we say that, then he slowly but surely brings us deeper and deeper into his heart so that we begin to know him, we begin to change. But it's all by his grace, it's by his love, my hope. And one of the worst things that I've seen growing up in church is I've seen many come to church and fall away. I've seen, and I, was, I remember I was in a youth group, and we've had people that would preach, and they would, they would teach, and they were, they were my leaders in the youth, and now today I don't even know what they're at. My friends that I grew up with in the, in, the, in, in, in the church and walking with the Lord and worshiping together and praying together and, and talking about what we're going to do for the Lord, some of them are not even around anymore. I haven't talked to them in years. I don't want that to happen to our church. I don't want in 10 years for us to look back on these moments and say, oh, you remember so-and-so, they were there in the beginning. I don't know where they're at anymore. I don't want that to happen here. I want us to go together. I want to be able to look back and say, yes, you've been there. You were with us in the beginning. You were with us in that little building in Huddle. You were with us when we were leasing it and we, had, we were sharing it and, and all these different, the history of where we've been. I want you to be there. So that's why I have this message today. What can we learn? Because the enemy has strategies to pull people away from the church. Lesson number one, you want to write these down, you can. If not, then I'm sure you're going to remember all of them. Lesson number one. It's the best thing we can learn in church. 
is we will make mistakes. Amen. We will make mistakes. So what does that mean? That means your neighbor will make a mistake. Your friend will make a mistake. You will make a mistake. Sin is a very real thing. Sin is not a joke. Sin is not something that you play around with. Sin is very real. Genesis 4, 7 says you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. See, none of us are immune to our flesh. None of us are immune to the flesh. None of us have this special gifting where we're not tempted. And if you do, take the mic. None of us have that. None of us have the ability to to not have this fleshly body or not have the fleshly temptations or not want to say something that we shouldn't say or go somewhere that we shouldn't go. It's within our nature. James 1, 13 and 14 says, And remember when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. You don't need somebody to tempt you. It's already there. We're always blaming people, blaming the church. Well, they weren't feeding me. Come on. I, my son's five years old. I don't feed him anymore. He feeds himself. You know, you feel me? You get what I'm saying? Right? We blame the church. But no, no, no. It's our flesh. It's our sin. See, the, the greatest wedge in the church and the greatest wedge in our life is sin. Sin was the very thing that separated us from God in the first place. And when sin can get into the church, it begins to separate people. That's why I often say we're not going to tolerate gossip here. If you want to gossip, go somewhere else. We don't tolerate gossip here because gossip is a wedge. It goes between people. Can I say this? If somebody's gossiping with you, they are probably gossiping about you, right? We all know that. We don't tolerate that. It's like, oh, what are you going to do about it? I'm, I get, nobody's going to talk to you about it. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what to tell you. We don't tolerate secret sin within ministry and within leadership. We don't do that because it tears people apart. See, sin is very deceiving. It starts very small and very subtle. We'll just have that conversation. It's not a big deal. You know, you get those old messages from your old relationships. Oh, it's okay to talk. That's fine. You're just friends. How it starts. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not going to drink with them. I'm just going to go. I'm not going to say those things or do this. I'm just going to go. That's how it starts. Very deceiving. It's very small. Oh, I can control this substance. I can control what I'm putting in my body. I can control what I'm watching on TV. I can control these things. But that's how it starts. It's, it's deceiving. But the scripture says it's waiting to pounce on you. That it can control you. Sin is very deceiving. We have to be aware. We have to be aware of what's going on. It convinces us that temporary pleasure is so much better than what God is giving us. We all struggle. How many of you struggle? How many of you got temptation in your life? I'm like, man, you guys are good. <laughs> so this is the truth. Is we will all fall. Eventually, we'll make a mistake. 
That's going to happen. Let's just get it out in the open. Eventually, we're going to make a mistake. But what do we do when we fall? That makes a difference. How do you respond when you make a mistake? Because what the devil will try to do, what the enemy will do, is when you fall, he'll do whatever you can to get you away from God. Don't worry about that. It's the devil. No, I'm kidding. It's not the devil. I don't know what it is. It's just some weird noises back there. It's the overflow room. No, I'm kidding. But he'll do whatever he can to pull you away from God. Oh, you messed up again? You did it again? You can't go to God now. You just said sorry for that last week. And now you're doing it again. You can't go to God. Right? Anybody, anybody with it in here with me? Right? This happens. We fall and he says, no, you can't go to Jesus. You're too bad. But listen, can I give you a little bit of, of advice? As soon as you fall, go to Jesus. As soon as you make a mistake, go to Jesus. Scripture says this. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Don't hide it. Don't, don't run from God. Confess it. Be open with it. Talk to Jesus about it. Don't let the enemy put you in a place of condemnation. See, see conviction doesn't feel nice. Neither does condemnation. Here's how you tell the two apart. Condemnation will pull you away from God. Conviction pushes you towards God. Conviction will say you need to repent. Condemnation will say you need to hide it and just don't say nothing and just try to fight it by yourself. Try, you, get, you, you know what I'm saying? This is the difference. You have to run to Jesus. These things are not easy. It's not easy to do that. But avoiding it is the worst thing that you can do. Because when you're avoiding it, what you're doing is you're treating sin like your pet. And you're taking care of it. Oh, I, I got this. I could take care of this. No, no, no. You're not supposed to take care of sin. You're supposed to get rid of sin. When you hold, think about King David. King David fell. He slept with Bathsheba. She, he got her pregnant. And what did he do? He tried to hide it. And everything he did, it got worse and worse and worse and worse. This is what happens with our sin. Sin is not a joke. Something that you have to, you have to come to grips with the fact that you will fail. In the capacity, I don't know. In what way, I don't know. But we will make, we will make mistakes. You may not go and do what you used to do, but you may say something you're not supposed to say. And you may be jealous when you shouldn't be jealous. And you may, may be competing with somebody when you shouldn't be competing with somebody. These are things you got to take to Jesus. Don't try to fight them by yourself. So how do we avoid this? How do we do our best to avoid falling into sin? Number one is we have to stay humble. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with your struggle. Be honest with your weaknesses. Be, stay humble. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. I found that in my life that I've fallen the most in the times when I thought I was immune to falling. That I've made the most mistakes when I thought, oh, I'm good now. I've been doing real good. I don't need to pray that much. I don't need to read that much. I don't need to, I, I could watch these things. Now I could put on that movie now. I could go to the, with those friends. You get, you get what I'm saying. You've been there with me. Right? And what happens? We fall. And then we say, how did this happen? God, how did I get here? He's like, dude, you've been walking that direction for like the last two weeks. 
Because pride comes before the fall. Stay humble. Number two, be smart. Set healthy boundaries in your life. If certain things tempt you, stay away. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, run from anything that stimulates, simulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Can I be transparent with you for a, for a moment? Can I be open with you? As, my, as this church, this is my family, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in on one, one of the things I used to struggle with. Is that okay? And I'm going to do this because I think a lot of us struggle with these things. But as a young man growing in the church, my struggle was with pornography. Oh, it's getting uncomfortable now, huh? People are like, oh, he's going to talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. But listen, that's just the truth. But I remember trying to hide it. I remember trying to fight it by myself. I remember trying to avoid it. Nothing helped. You know what helped? Confessing it. I'm going to say it again if you didn't hear me. Confessing it. Setting healthy boundaries within my life. I remember the moment I, ha I had to talk to my wife. I had to talk to my pastor. I was like, I don't know. They're going to disown me. They're going to throw me out the house. I'm going to have to find another church. That's not what happened. The grace of God and the mercy of God covered me. But listen, hold on. I remember the Lord speaking to me very specifically. He said, you need to find five men that you trust and you need to tell them what you struggle with. Do you know how hard that is to do when you're ashamed of your sin? It's difficult. And some of you need to do this. So I called five men, pastors, people that I respected. And I called them and I was transparent. I said, this is my struggle. And I have not battled with that since. Because I began to listen, with the, listen to what the Lord was saying. Some of you just need to set some healthy boundaries for yourself. It's like we make it so spiritual and like, God, would you break this? God, would you? He's like, yeah, I've already broken the power of sin over your life. The problem is you keep putting yourself in a position to fall. God, would you set me free? He's like, you, I did it on the cross. The problem is you keep going back to it. Some of us got to do that. Set some healthy boundaries. Some of us need to confess. The scripture says confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Forgiveness, yes, you can talk to the Lord all you want. He will forgive you. But healing comes from confession to your brothers and your sisters because they can help you. Stay focused. So stay humble. Be smart. Stay focused on the Lord and his will for your life. 2 Timothy 2, 15 and 16 says, work, so, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed of, who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Say, Lord, I'm going to stay focused on you. I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to pursue the will of God for my life. I'm not going to be distracted by sin, by things that come against me, by things that fight me. I'm going to, I'm going to stay focused on the things that God has called me to. Galatians 5.16 says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Some of us just need to surrender to the Spirit of God and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do. There were some things that, no, they weren't bad things, but there were shows that I was watching, and I wouldn't say they were bad, but the Lord was like, hey, I don't want you watching that anymore. And I was like, but God, I really like that show. 
and it's not that bad? Like, are you sure you were on the right wave right here? You're not talking to somebody else? And he's like, you need to stop watching that. Okay. I guess, if you say so. I'm, I'm, I'm a, um, I like to play video games. Can I be honest with you? I like it. I play, I'm, I'm not very good at it. But the Lord was like, I don't want you to do that anymore. I said, what? Like, this is when I'm dealing with my kids and they're crazy and they're finally in bed. I can do this and zone out. He's like, no, I want to see if you just do what I ask you to do. There's some things that God has been challenging me to do. But if the Holy Spirit, if I let him guide my life, I'm not going to fall into these fleshly desires. I'm not going to invest in my flesh. Some of us are investing into our flesh way too much. We're binging Netflix every night when we prayed for 10 minutes. We're on, on social media scrolling for hours and hours and hours and hours, and we're not even thinking about the Lord. Now, listen, I'm not being legalistic. I have an Instagram. I don't have a TikTok because I'm too old. But listen, I, I got an Instagram. I have all that. But I'd rather invest in my spirit than in my flesh. We, we want our spirit to be strong so that we can overcome temptation. You cannot overcome if all you're doing is investing in the flesh. Investing in the very thing that deceives you and pushes you towards those fleshly desires. Some of us just need to pick up our Bible. Amen. I'm going to get off this. All right. Lesson number one, we will make mistakes. Lesson number two, we need each other. Look to somebody next to you and say, I need you. Say it. Come on. I didn't hear everybody. Come on. Let's do it. I need you. I need you. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to sing. Listen, I, I'm going to use the steps. I was going to just get off the stage, but my knees hurt. And so, listen, I'm going to get down. Is that cool? Babe, stand up real quick. She didn't know I was going to do this. This is my beautiful wife. Let me look around here. See? My beautiful wife. We've been married. We're going on eight years uh, this November, right? And I could not, listen, I could not do it. We could not do this without each other. I need my wife. And I wanted, the Lord was like, hey, you need to tell the church, one, how amazing she is. She's amazing. She is so patient, so kind to my kids. I don't know how she does it, but I need her. I, we need each other. Thank you, Ben. Perfect example. We need each other. Now, listen, do we always agree? No, especially on what to eat. Now, what I've learned over the years, if you're, if you're newly married or, or you're having a lot of fights, I would say give you a little bit of advice. Just get extra fries even if she doesn't ask because she will eat them. I promise you, Okay. <laughs> I love when we're at the drive-thru. I'm like, babe, what are you getting? She's like, I'm just going to share with you. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> that's, no, that's not going to happen. Sorry. I love you, babe, but I'll buy you food. <laughs> but we matter. We, 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 we need each other. It matters. Community matters. We cannot move forward by ourselves. You need the person next to you. You need your church. The community of God was never, was, was not only supposed to be this thing that we do once a week. But it was a community of people that believed one thing and lived it out. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. That three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. See, we uphold each other. We stand with each other. We need each other. You need your church. You need your church family. We've got to have each other. Now, check this out. 
Acts 12, 4, 8. We talk about this story a lot. It says this was after Herod killed James, and now, now he's going after um, Peter. So it says, then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of, of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. Now listen, I believe that Herod was going to kill him as well. Because Herod had just killed James, and it says that he saw how it pleased the Jews. And now he went after Peter. Now listen to this. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed. We all know the story. Eventually he's set free. The angel comes and visits him. And we often talk about Peter being set free, but we, we don't really mention that the church was praying. See, I've heard this, this, this phrase, do life together. And I'm not a big fan of that phrase. That thing is crazy loud. I don't know. This, if you're new, it doesn't always happen. Okay, please come back next week. <laughs> but I've heard this phrase, do life together. And I get it. I get, you know, we got to have fun together. And we got to know each other and be friends. But I don't want somebody that I could just do life with. I want someone that's going to pray for me. I want someone that's going to challenge me. I want someone that's going to support me in the things that God has called me to do. I don't want to just do life with the church. I don't want to just, you know, oh, let's just have a, have a potluck. No, 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 no. I want to have people who are spirit-led, who are praying for me, who are helping me, who are encouraging me, who are supporting me. And you might be thinking, man, you sound selfish, man. Yeah, yeah. But I want to do that for somebody else too. And can I tell you, you, you need that too. You need somebody to pray with you. Stop trying to do it by yourself. I know that church may, may have hurt you in the past. I know that, that leaders and, and, and the old way, maybe, maybe it made you in a place where I'll just go to church. I don't really want to know anybody, but I'll just come on Sundays and leave right after. I know that may have happened, but can I tell you that, that when you come to a healthy church, it is so fulfilling to have people that you know will pray with you. And that you know will help you and be there for you. You can get around people that are not Christian. They'll tell you what you want to hear. But it takes a real man or woman of God to tell you what you need to hear. To tell you don't give up on that marriage. To tell you don't give up on your kids. To tell you to, to believe in God for provision. To tell you that the season is, gonna, is not going to last as long as you. you get what I'm saying. That you need people that will tell you what God wants you to hear. See, the enemy wants to divide the church. He wants to bring division. Because it's easier for him to pull somebody away from the things of God if they're by themselves. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. I'm going to fight the flesh right now. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> See, the enemy wants to divide the church. He wants to bring division amongst people. But can I, can I, can I challenge our church to be people that keep the peace. To be the one that will say what's nice at the right time and hold off what's not nice for the proper time. Can I challenge our church to be a church that keeps the peace? Romans chapter 12, 16 and 21, 16 through 21, it says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. I'm going to read that again. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. That sounds easy. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can 
to live at peace with everyone. I'm going to read it one more time. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. That sounds mean. That's what scripture says. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, if the scripture says to treat our enemies like this, how should we treat our own church family? How should we treat those that that offend us? The church is a family, right? We always say that, especially in the good times. Oh, the church family. I love my church family. But I don't know how many families you've been in, but my family would fight. My family, we had disagreements. We had different political stances. We had different mindsets. Now, that was my family. I don't know about your family. So when you talk about the church family, can I tell you this? You're going to encounter people that think different than you think. You're going to encounter people that talk different than you talk. You're going to encounter people that dress different than you dress. This is the church. The church is diverse. If we had everybody the same, I wouldn't be here. I'd go find another church. I'm kidding. That's, people are like, man, this guy's mean. But the church is going, you're going to be bothered. You're going to be offended by somebody. You're going to get hurt by somebody. Somebody's going to say something you don't want to, you don't want to hear. Somebody's going to say something at the wrong time. Somebody's going to say something about your kids. Somebody's going to say something about your spouse. It's going to happen because church is filled with imperfect people. Now the question is, will we handle it like our flesh wants us to handle it, or we handle it, will we handle things according to Scripture? Because the Scripture says it's our responsibility to keep peace with everybody. I'm not responsible for what you say, but I'm responsible for how I respond. See, the church is divided when everybody's fighting for their own peace and their own right, their own right ways. That's when the church gets divided. Because then we're like, well, so-and-so did this to me, so I did this to so-and-so. And then my friend did this to so-and-so, then their friend. And it becomes this big mess of people getting back at each other. I don't want to go to that church. I want to be a part of a church where people forgive easy. Can I, can I give you another lesson in the battlefield? You've got to forgive people. Oh, but you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they made you feel. I don't. But what I do know is the scripture says we need to forgive. Be forgiving. I love this phrase. Just let it go. Let it go. Now, we don't like that. Because I want to hold it. And I want to think about it when I see them come back in the building. So I could just look at them. And they'll, they'll know. <laughs> they'll know what they said and what they know. And they're on the other side like, what's up, sister? I don't even know. What's up, brother? What do you... What's up, man? They have no clue why you're mad. <laughs> Let it go. Somebody took your seat. Let it go. Like, we don't have that many anyway, and they're all basically the same spot, like, same distance. Let it go. 
Let these things go. You don't have to hold on to every offense and, and hold on to every, every hurt. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Like maybe they didn't mean to say that. Maybe they didn't mean to look at you that way. This is how you operate out of love. This is how you operate in the church. This is a lesson that we can learn as we're warring with people, as we're, as we're fighting together. Can, you know what the enemy has done? He's got us so focused on our brother and our sister, and we begin to fight each other. We're no longer fighting him. He's got churches competing with each other. They don't even have to compete with him anymore. We're not going to be that. Amen. We're not going to be that. We're going to be focused on one thing. We're, we're coming at the enemy. We're going to bring people to the Lord. We're going to bring people to Jesus. We're going to bring people and show them what it is to be loved and what it is to be a part of a family. Jesus didn't say, they'll know you're my disciples by the way you perform miracles. He didn't say by the way that you preach. He didn't say by the things that you say. He said, they'll know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. People don't want to go to the church because of how the church is talking about the church. The way you talk about your church family, you think anybody else would want to go? Like, I was, I was venting to my wife because I see people posting stuff. They're like, the church doesn't do this. The church doesn't do that. I'm like, dude, do you want anybody to go to church? Because right now you're basically just saying everything the church doesn't do right. I want to be known for the way I love people. I want people to, 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 to once, once we start getting it together, we're going to make car stickers so that people can see it on your car. We're still learning, so we're going to wait on that one. But I want people to say, man, they're nice. There's something about them. And last, last lesson, number three, and we're done, is it is not easy. Serving God is not easy. See, Jesus never promised an easy life. You know, we, uh, we talk about salvation, and, and we, we do a salvation call. We're like, if you give your life to Jesus, it's, everything's going to be better. It's like, when did, when did Scripture say that? That was never, Jesus didn't come saying, hey, I want to give you a blessed life. Now, listen, he does want to bless you. He even says, I want to give you an abundant life. But the purpose of salvation and walking with the Lord is not that this life on earth will be easy, but that this life on earth will be fulfilled. Walking with God is not easy. So don't quit when it gets hard. Don't quit when, when things don't go your way. I don't, I don't want to see people fall away from God. I don't want to see people turn away from Jesus because of a trial that they've been through. Some people just turn away because they're by themselves and they don't know anybody that can help them. But I don't want to see people turn from their, from their, from their Lord and their, their Savior because of an issue. Life is not easy already without Jesus. It's not easy. I'd rather go through a hard life with Jesus than a hard life without him. Trials, you, will, you cannot avoid a trial. You cannot avoid hard times. You cannot avoid, avoid the moments when it feels like you can't make it anymore. Those moments will come. Listen, if anybody's been saved for any length of time, you know that there's those moments you're sitting by yourself thinking, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. It's too hard. I can't keep forgiving. 
I can't keep loving like I've been. I feel like I'm being taken advantage of. I'd rather just not do it anymore. Amen. But can I tell you, it's not going to be easy. Walking with Jesus is not easy. It's hard. It's difficult. There's times when I want to give up too. But I, I know, I know that in every season, my breakthrough's coming. In every season, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, even when it doesn't feel like anything is changing, I know that God is with me. I know that I'm not by myself. I know that I can keep going. Man, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited for this message because I know what it means. I know what it means to be that church person being hurt by the church and wanting to let go. I know what that means. I want our church to be a place where those that are hurt by the church can come in and receive restoration and refreshment and be revived in their spirit. But in order to be that, we have to come together and understand these things that it's not going to be easy. Bev, can you come up, please? I'm closing with this. Last couple of things, then we'll be on our way. In a, in, a, in a walk with the Lord that is not always easy, can I encourage you to celebrate the little victories? Celebrate the little things that God does. Just maybe one day you just didn't fight with your spouse. Maybe that's a victory. Celebrate that. Maybe one day you didn't yell at your kids. God help me. Right? Celebrate that. Maybe one day you're just not thinking like you were yesterday. Celebrate that. Don't wait to get all the way to the end to celebrate what God is doing right now. Celebrate the little things because in every season, he's good. Enjoy the season that you're in. The other day I was, I was, I was getting ready to take off and I was going to, sometimes I work out of the house. I go, I don't know, to East Social right here and I was leaving. And if you're, I don't know about you, but for me as a parent, I'm always thinking about the worst. Like, I'm always thinking my kids are going to die somehow. And it's just, it's just the enemy, the way he attacks me. And something I always have to come against. And, and I remember I'm leaving, and my daughter's, of course, sleeping in my bed. She has her own, but she's mine. And she's sleeping in my bed, and I'm leaving, and she's still sleeping. And I, and I was trying to be quiet. I didn't want to wake anybody up. And so the Lord was like, hey, go give her a kiss. Say bye. And when I was like, oh, she's sleeping. And of course, I'm like, why is she going to die? <laughs> like, that was my first thought. I'm like, God, are you preparing me for something? And he said, no. He said, give her a kiss because she's not, she's not going to be this little forever. And I was like, oh. And I thought about her wedding day. In, in 150 years from now. But I remember I just, I just gave her a kiss. It wasn't anything crazy. And, and the Lord was just speaking to me challenging me to enjoy every season. Like our church, we will grow. We're not going to be here forever. But I'm enjoying this season. When you're walking with the Lord, oftentimes we're saying, well, I can't wait until I get there. I can't wait until I'm married. I can't wait until I have kids. I can't wait until I do this or do that or go there. Can you just enjoy the moment? Enjoy the present time where God is doing something now. We, we learn to enjoy the season. We learn to celebrate the victories. And we learn this. And this is the greatest truth that I've come across in my walk with the Lord. Is that it is worth the cost. Walking with Jesus is worth the price.
when we left, we were coming to Texas. We're from, uh, uh, most of you know, we're from California. And all I thought about was my family. All I thought about was my friends. All I thought about is everything we're leaving behind. And I remember being there like, man, I don't know if I could do this. My, my dad is crying. My dad doesn't cry. He's crying with me. My mom's crying. I'm like, man, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Her mom is crying. The whole, everybody, my grandma's trying to rally everybody up to move to Texas, and it just didn't happen. But I remember just having a burden of like, man, I feel so bad. God, I'm doing what you asked me to do. I'm losing friends. The scripture says this, Matthew 19, 29, says, Any, and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Serving Jesus will cost you everything. If you haven't paid everything yet, you have to ask if you're following him. Because there is no half-hearted follower. There is no half-hearted disciple. With Jesus, it is all or nothing. Now that to you might be like, oh man, I can't do it. But can I say this again? That when you follow him, it's worth the price. I have, I've never in my life been more fulfilled or satisfied in this season right now, ever in my life. Because I'm in the will of God. Because I'm walking with him. Because I know him now. I don't know religion. Some of us just know religion. That's why we can't surrender. I don't know religion. I don't know tradition. I don't know church. I know Jesus. And because I know Jesus, I know that nothing is better than this. Nothing is better than this. I was, I was on my face yesterday crying out to God. And he was revealing things about the church. And can I say, we're not going to be little forever. We are going to grow. We're going to send churches out. We're going to have churches all across Texas, all across the nation. We're going to have missionaries. We are going to see it. But in that moment, I begin to cry because I said, Lord, I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose who you are to me now. And I wasn't worried about what God was giving. I was just saying, Lord, I'll take whatever you have as long as I'm with you. And I meant it. I didn't just say it. I meant it from the bottom of my heart that there is nothing in this world. There is nothing that you can search for out there or anywhere else that will, that will provide satisfaction and fulfill, fulfillment like walking with Jesus and knowing Jesus. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about Jesus. Know Him. I want to get to heaven. And stand before God and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. In that moment, I can't imagine what it'd be like, but I'm willing to pay any price to get there. I'm willing to do whatever it costs me to get there. Because I know it's coming. 2 Timothy 4.7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. I want to be able to say that at the end of my life. So I've got to avoid sin. I've got to overcome it. I've got to understand that I need people in my life. 
I need you guys. We need each other. And I've got to be ready because it's not easy. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.